Bless me, Father, for I have sinned. It's been three weeks since my last confession. These are my sins. Ditto from last time. Sound familiar? Helping you grow deeper on your spiritual journey. Welcome to The Inner Life with Patrick Conley. Welcome to The Inner Life. I'm Patrick Conley, and I've never been more proud to be a Wisconsinite. I don't know if you just heard the announcement on the news there at the top of the hour or at 9.30 Central this morning. Uh, The announcement by Bishop Ricken of Green Bay was covered here on Relevant Radio by Father Rocky and Drew Mariani. Two exciting changes going on at the Shrine of Our Lady of Good Help in Champion, Wisconsin. Now, I have to say, this announcement is not just a gift for Wisconsinites. It's for all Catholics all around the world. And these are the changes. First, October 9th, the date of the second and third apparitions of Our Lady to Estelle Bryce, every year will now be celebrated as a solemnity, highest level of feast that we have at the shrine, and a large mass, or predictably large mass anyway, will be celebrated there. And second, there's a change of name. The apparition and shrine henceforth will be known as Our Lady of Champion joining the ranks of other geographically named Marian shrines like Our Lady of Fatima, Our Lady of Lourdes, Our Lady of Knock. Yeah, this is good news. Good news for all indeed. It's sure to foster devotion to Our Lady, who is always there as good help, especially in our ongoing battle against sin and for holiness. For those of you who are sinners like I am, you're always grateful for such powerful help, especially because we're aware that sin sticks. It's tough. My confessions do seem like a broken record. I'm confessing the same persistent sins over and over again. Is there anything to be done to get out of the cycle? Let's hope so. That's what we're focusing on here today on The Inner Life, Battling Persistent Sins. Our spiritual director for the day is Father Craig Vosick, a priest of the Diocese of Crookston, Minnesota, a National Eucharistic preacher and part of the executive team for the National Eucharistic Revival. Welcome back, Father. How are you today? I'm doing really well. Happy Easter. We're still in the season. We are certainly still in the season. We're going to be saying that for quite a while yet to come. Uh, Great to be celebrating with you. And what a great topic, too, for today, I got to say. Battling these persistent sins, which um, I think is a characteristic of most, if not all of them. Um, And great that you're here to guide us on our path, too, Father. So great to be with you. Let's start, as we usually do here, with the basics, Father. What is sin? Remind us. Yeah, so sin, um, one of the... One of the best ways that I've heard it explained, actually, and then I'll get to the catechism, is from the Hebrew word dabar, um, which simply means to miss the mark. And so if, if I'm shooting an arrow at a target um, and I'm off, you know, so I'm not hitting it spot on, I've missed the mark. But there's something in that element. Uh, so sin is something that's off the mark, of course, um, but it also recognizes that there was, there was an attempt at something. And the, the human person is always, um, is always trying to choose the good. Uh, we, that's the only thing we can do is to try to choose what we think will make us happy. Uh, St. Augustine says that and different saints would say that. 
Um, so it recognizes that no, we're trying, <laughs> but we, we might not be trying rightly, you know? Right. Um, so we've missed the mark, right? Um, but it doesn't mean it's 100% excusable. It's like, well, no, I tried, so there's nothing to impute to me. So no, no, there is a, there's a choice to miss the mark as well. So um, anyway, I think that that word and that idea is very helpful because uh, it recognizes my, my good attempt, but also recognizing that my attempt wasn't right on. Um, yeah. and that sense, and it's just being off the mark, but it can be uh, a word. It could be a deed. It could be a desire, um, that I'm acting on within, in, within me against, uh, the eternal law. That's catechism 1871. So in our confession at the beginning of mass, uh, I confess to almighty God in my thoughts and in my words, in what I have done. And in what I have failed to do, so commission and omission, right? So that's uh, that's sin in a nutshell. Okay, all right. Well, I I think well, most I, of I, us are familiar with not just the concept of sin, but actually the practice of sin. Uh, that's that seems to be right there in uh, well Romans, uh, some places that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, right? Um, so there is that understanding, though, that's helpful. I like the uh, missing the mark understanding, too, because it does. Like you said, you know, we have tried and we've failed, quite frankly. We've we've missed it. Um, and uh, as, as far as sin goes, I mean, maybe we need to go all the way back to the beginning and talk maybe just a little bit about original sin. I mean, what's going on there with original sin? Yeah, so original sin simply means the... The sin that Adam and Eve committed um, that uh, has been passed down through every age to every person. Um, so we all contract the effect of original sin, even though we didn't commit the original sin. Um, and it's just really, really, really good to see um, that what Eve does uh, is, is at the heart of it. So when the this is Genesis chapter three verse six, the woman saw that the tree was good for food, pleasing to the eyes, and desirable for gaining wisdom. So she took some of its fruit and ate it, and she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. And this, I, the these words are helpful. Um, she saw that it was good for food, pleasing to the eyes, and desirable for gaining wisdom. Uh, and this this harkens to all sorts of things that we probably don't have time to get into today, but uh, all the way to the temptations of Christ in the desert, uh, what St. John says in uh, in 1 John about the concupiscence of the eyes and the flesh and the lust uh, of life. Um, it's, it is all of those things, um, but it's contrary to what God had spoken. Right. And so anytime that we see that something seems good to me, um, or that it's pleasurable for me to take in, or it's desirable, if it's even if it seems that way, if it's not what God has spoken, or if it's contrary to what God has spoken, I don't get to go for it. And so the first sin, yes, it causes a problem for all of us, but it's also kind of a, a symbol of how it plays out for all of us as well. Right, right, right. exactly. That um, there, there's something that's there, and kind of superimposing as you were as you were doing there, Father. The idea of missing the mark and then comparing that with the original sin is recounted for us in Genesis three. You do see that, right? I mean, she's she, 
it says the woman saw that the tree was good for food. So she's she's seeing it as a good. It's a delight to the eye. She's seeing it as as a delight, as a good again. A tree is just desired to make one wise. These things in and of themselves are something that, in fact, indeed, maybe we are even could say we are created for. But like you said, but this is not the means by which God has provided for us to to reach out, to strive for those things, right? To, to reach out, to strive for those things, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's, uh, there's, there's the act of disobedience. Um, there's the act of pride, my thought, contrary to God's thought on this matter. There's selfishness. I go for it because I want it without regard to the other, which, which is God in this case. And then there's this wedge of distrust that's sown by the enemy. No, go ahead and do it. That God is not good, that God is not trustworthy, that he doesn't have my best interest in mind. Um, and it's just, it's foolishness all around. Yeah, yeah. That is how it works uh, with uh, with sin oftentimes. Our spiritual director today is Father Craig Vosick, priest of the Diocese of Crookston, Minnesota, and uh, he's leading us through an, an understanding of battling persistent sins. We've been defining our terms some here, trying to figure out, okay, what are we up against here? And those sins that are just so persistent. Um, and maybe that's that's another way to go here, Father. Um, what are some of the ways that we might start to examine the sins in our own lives, that, that we might be able to take inventory of what's going on there? And I'm sure I'm not the only one who has this experience on, on some examination of my own faults, my own sins, that, yeah, they tend to come up again and again and again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it is the case that for most people, the the sins that they commit are the sins that they will commit next time. Um, but there is a way, there is a way through this. Um, and I think for a lot of people, um, they're aware of the things that they typically err with regard to. Sure. Um, but it's helpful to get outside of myself, get get outside of my own cycle, get outside of my own reality. And so I think a look at a detailed examination of conscience is really helpful. Um, There are some really good thorough examinations out there. Now, you know, a basic one just simply lists the Ten Commandments and then, oh yeah, did I do these things? Maybe, maybe not. But there are a whole lot of moral actions um, that are derived from the commandments that we don't necessarily catch. And so a detailed, I know a couple of them, um, the fathers of, these aren't really I'm not promoting them. I'm just saying I've seen them and they're and they, I found them to be helpful. Uh, right. The Fathers of Mercy have a really detailed examination of conscience, where it takes the commandments and it goes through uh, more deeply. Like, whoa, well, what's at the heart of this? Also, Father Ripperger um, has a very detailed, uh, maybe thirty or forty different items to look at with regard to each commandment. Now, that might seem a little overwhelming, and a person might say, no, I don't want to do that. But if a person wants to get outside of that sort of routine of what they recognize, maybe there's some other things that they're not even aware of, not conscious of, that when they when it comes to light, they're like, oh, yeah. And you know what? That might actually be the cause of this other thing that yeah. I've been confessing, and I have to get to the root of it. Um, so I think those two have been very helpful for me. Um, but the, you know, there's the twofold command of love of God and love of neighbor, right? Uh, you can also add the love of self in proper way and the love of the created order. And so to look at those things. But I mean, daily reading of the Bible, I think, is really helpful, uh, especially the uh, moral teaching of the New Testament. Um, 
because as I read the New Testament, I see, okay, wait a second, this is what God is revealing. Oh, I better hold myself to the standard of God rather than the standard of the world or my own standard that may or may not be accurate, right? Um, so those are a couple things, but then uh, sort of habits for life um, to at the end of a day or maybe in the middle of the day to evaluate the day and to just pause and say, how did it go? Where did, where was the bright spots? Where were the dark spots? Right. And to write it down in a journal and to pay attention and to repent of it, right? Or to do that with your week or to do that with your month in a deeper way, right? Or to think about, this would be the last thing I say on this, I could go on and on. <laughs> uh, you know, this, I do this for a living is help, you know, the care of souls, right? Uh, thinking about key areas of, of your life. Uh, so like, as examples, what are your closest relationships? And like, so where, where's the bright spots? Where are the dark spots in those closest relationships or your obligations or your job or those different domains, et cetera, uh, those different levels of vocation, right? Of my vocation of a, a beloved son or daughter of the father, my vocation uh, with my personal relationships with others, maybe my, my marriage or consecrated life or whatever that might be. And then my vocation to work and to service of society and to look at those different domains. So those are different ways of kind of examining rather than just saying, Oh yeah, I'm sure I was this way and that way and that way. And you know, I'll just go on. Yeah. Well, very good. I, you know, we're getting into it already. I love it. We're in the thick of things here. And uh, I just want to throw things out to throw this out too that, uh, in case people are uh, wanting to do that uh, kind of midday or end of day, um, look over their life again, uh, look over their day and where we were in tune with God, where we were out of step with God, where we hit the mark and where we missed the mark. We do have a show just two days ago on Tuesday, the 18th. We talked with Father Kroll about the daily examine too. So if you'd like some tips on that, you can go back and listen to that uh, on the show page at relevantradio.com. Well, um, all right. So as we're getting into this, Father, and maybe a little bit of a of a detour here, and I, I know it's always risky to kind of to kind of uh, place ourselves trying to think like the enemy does here. But why would it be just maybe some speculation? Why would it be uh, a good tactic, or that he might want to employ, to have certain sins continue to pop up in our lives? Uh, to to kind of uh, yeah, have this sin come up, have this sin come up. Is it a is it a strategic is it a strategy move by the enemy or is it something that's more just due to our own human limitations or both? Yeah, so uh, he yeah he's strategic, but he's like strategic as a expedient agent of chaos. Um, mm. He just like what's the quickest way to get this thing done and to ruin souls? I mean, it's just that's it, right? Mm. Um, how can I destroy? What is the what is the most pragmatic or practical way to destroy the communion that these people that I, that I uh, abhor, that I hate um, because they're followers of that man that I hate God, you know, he's, he hates, he is so hateful of God and anything that is connected to God. And he just goes at it. Some, and at sometimes in an absolutely chaotic state, um, like a, a child with a tantrum. Right. Um, but I think a good, a good way to look at this, uh, if you can kind of pull to mind, uh, if you've ever been to, let's say, Italy or, or a place that has medieval walls around the town, yeah. Um, yeah. or if you haven't been, to just draw one to mind, because almost everybody's seen a, a show that has medieval walls around the town. But the um, St. Ignatius of Loyola says that the enemy um, isn't, he's not completely stupid. So like if he goes to the front of a, of a, of a, 
of a town that has medieval walls. Typically, there's the high walls around the whole thing, and soldiers can walk around the top of it. And at the front of it, there's the gate, which is closed, and all of the protective archers and other people are at that front gate watching, and they only open it to those that are supposed to come in. But that's where it's most heavily protected. So the enemy typically doesn't come just trying to shoot through the front door of a protected castle. He's not that stupid. And so the places that are most defended in my life, um, by analogy then, uh, he doesn't typically try to shoot at those right away. What he will do is he will survey, this is St. Ignatius, he will survey the entire city. He will go around on his horse, let's say, uh, and survey the entire city, looking at the walls, looking to where are they least protected, where are the walls the lowest, where is the most expedient place for me to attack that I might have the greatest chance of getting in and destroying the city. And he will take his time to do that. And once he finds a spot that seems that he can do it, he will do it. And if he's successful, he will do it over and over. Why would I change my tactic if it's working every time? You know, so so there's two things to pay attention to there. One is um, in my life, where are the places that I have the least virtue, the weakest sort of uh, element of habit or or a forged strong habit in my life. He's probably going to attack there because as he's cased the walls, uh, he sees that that's like the most penetrable place. So that's the first thing. It's it's on my own weakness that he uh, prays. Then after he's made it through there, let's say that 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 hole in the wall, that weak spot on the wall, um, he's going to keep hitting it until it gets stopped. Because uh, why wouldn't you? So those are the two things. There's a weakness in me, but then there's the attack that he does. Mm. Yeah. Our spiritual director again today, Father Craig Vosick, a, a preacher for the National Eucharistic Revival, and he is leading us through just battling persistent sins. Do you have a particular persistent sin that you're battling? Do you have a story about overcoming a persistent sin? Or any questions for Father about how you can overcome a certain sin? Give us a call. Join the conversation, 888-914-9149. Again, 888-914-9149. Um, we can always keep you as anonymous, too, just so you know. Um, and you can also send us an email. We can uh, keep you anonymous that way, too, if you'd like. Our email address is innerlife@relevantradio.com. We've got a lot more to cover here on The Inner Life, but we're going to take a short break. We'll be back right after this. Stay with us. If you are in the market for health insurance, our sponsor, the Catholic Order of Foresters, is here to help you and your family find the most cost-effective health plan. Learn more at relevantradio.com slash forester. Welcome back to The Inner Life here on Relevant Radio on RelevantRadio.com and the Relevant Radio app, of course. We are speaking today with our spiritual director, Father Craig Vasek, a natural, national Eucharistic preacher, and he is talking to us today, He's leading us through, yeah, some strategy that we can employ to overcome persistent sins, those sins that just keep coming up time and time again in our lives, and we keep, hopefully, carrying them into the confessional as well. Father, you brought up some good points here. Before we get back to them, though, um, Noel has been calling in from San, San Francisco, California. Noel, welcome to The Inner Life. Oh, hi. Thanks so much for welcoming to your program. And also thanks for Father Vasek. Great, uh, great pointers there. So my, my uh, uh, feedback is basically uh, was with a persistence in for decades and uh, 
And throughout those times, you know, throughout those years, I, the, the thing is, like part of my success, I was getting hit at the place in my in my uh, periphery where I was weak. You know, like the uh, the openings, the places that were weak that was identified by the devil. So to counter that, I didn't try to. The, the best thing I found out is not to try to fight the devil because I don't have the uh, the power, the strength to do that. So the only way I found out is to to create a um, uh, to build up a uh, uh, you know, to to build up my the, the parts that are weak, to strengthen them, and the only way I can find it, uh, to solve that issue, which I finally did, is through repeated throughout the years attendance of the sacraments, namely confession, uh, and after that, of course, the Eucharist, adoration, praying the Rosary, saying the novenas to Saint Jude, Saint Joseph. So these are the it's like the the tried and true uh, mechanisms that cannot be forgotten throughout the life of a Christian because people say you know let me fight the devil I, I can do with him no we can't it's, we have to go through the sacraments and eventually the light will turn on eventually you will overcome that sin but it will take time but you have to go through the sacraments so that is my feedback thank you yeah thank you so much uh, you you highlight so many really, really good points. We should not uh, try to uh, combat the enemy on our own. That is absolutely foolish and never recommended uh, ever. Um, so what what does that look like? Typically, we, we would recommend that a person turn, which is your point, turning towards the Lord, turn towards the Lord and tell the Lord, deal with the... I think we may have just some technical difficulties there with Father. We'll uh, try to get him back on the on the path here shortly. Um, but Noel makes a great point, um, and I think Father was just underscoring that, under underlining that there is uh, there is the necessity always to go back to the Lord as He is present to us in the sacraments of confession, of Eucharist, of employing uh, maybe specific devotion, specific types of prayer um, that we find ourselves in and uh, or we find ourselves drawn to. Maybe there's a tried and true devotion that we have in our own lives. That uh, is a regular part of our prayer life now, and those, those are great things to employ to uh, to battle against the sins when the temptation comes forward. I remember uh, early on um, in my own Christian life, I remember hearing a very a very uh, wise sage person who had um, who had worked a long time in that, um, and he just said, "Yeah, always carry a scripture verse in your heart that you're ready to pull out whenever you feel tempted." I think we have uh, Father Vasek back now. Father, I think we lost you there for a second, but um, if you want to continue responding to Noel's great points. We want to turn towards the Lord, not towards the enemy. He's stronger and smarter, and he's been around longer than us. We want to turn towards the Lord. So you notice in almost any prayer that we say, we turn towards, we towards the Lord and his army, the angels and saints, and we ask them. So St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. You know, I don't say, St. Michael, watch me. I'm going to go fight the devil. We don't do that because it's foolishness. Um, or even when a priest enters into uh, deliverance ministry, he always is speaking, in the name of Jesus, I command you. It's not just I command you. It's in the name of Jesus, I command you, a foul spirit, enemy spirit, to go away. So um, that is an incredibly important point. The other things that we mentioned, if we go back to the image of the uh, of the medieval castle, is uh, he, you know, no, he, he mentioned uh, 
the weakness that we have. So the weakness, he said he built it up by strengthening his spiritual life. We can also build it up by uh, bringing uh, more um, more fighters, more bows and arrows, more mm. more uh, defense mechanism that way as well, you know, which would be the which is what he's talking about going to the sacraments. But the building up of the walls actually is the is the building up of virtue. And we'll talk about that later in the program. Um, but all of these points that he's making are very, very, very good. Mm. Yeah, very good, Noel. Thanks for calling in. Thanks for uh, the reminder that it's always a great place to go. Is um, Well, the Lord is always a great place to go, but specifically in our battle against sin, the sacraments, devotions, excellent reminder. Let's also take another call. Michelle from Plainfield, Illinois is calling in as well. Michelle, welcome to The Inner Life. Thanks for calling in. Hi, thank you for taking my call. Um, so my uh, thing that I wanted to discuss is procrastination. It's a habitual one for me. Um I hold others to a higher standard than what I exemplify quite often, especially my family with my kids. And it's hard for me because I feel like I'm already behind in whatever I'm doing in life. And then I seem to hold them on a higher standard than I can uphold. So I just need some advice on how to navigate that. Yeah. So um, there's two things going on there. There's the procrastination itself. And then there's the thing that leads to procrastination, right? Uh, and those can be manifold, the different things that lead towards procrastination. You mentioned feeling overwhelmed about things, right? Well, it, when I'm feeling overwhelmed, it's hard for me. When I have 10 things in front of me, it's hard to decide which one I'm going to choose. And if there's only one thing in front of me, it's a lot easier to see what I'm going to do there. Now, there's a lot of other things that can be going on. I'm not saying they happen for you, but they happen for people. Um, we, we delight in ease. We delight in peace. We delight in quiet. We delight in doing our own thing. We delight in uh, the things that we think are going to make us happy. And oftentimes, <laughs> those are distinct from the obligations uh, that we have in front of us. And we just have to simply kind of laugh before that and honor the fact that this is the way it is for us. We're not perfectly attuned to the uh, discipline of the Lord quite yet, right? Um, so we just have to acknowledge all of that. One thing that... Um, I have found to be very helpful. Um, obviously, we can pray. There's lots of beautiful prayers uh, about uh, getting diligence, uh, getting fortitude, getting courage, uh, you know, because that's the virtue that you really need, uh, but also prudence, like what, what ought I be doing right now? So that's the virtue of prudence, right? So there's so many different, the, the gift of the Holy Spirit of counsel and wisdom. So what I should know what I should do, you know? So there's all of those things we can ask the Lord to give to us that we're maybe lacking or need to be built up in. But the thing that I have found is this little, tr there's this little, um, square that you can find online with four quadrants and it's and it's very simple and it's to kind of take some time and to list out the things you need to do and to put them into those boxes what are the things that are uh, important put them in this left quadrant what are the things that are unimportant put them in the other quadrant what are the things that are pressing put them and important put them in another box and what are the things that are pressing but unimportant put them in the other box. And so you'll end up, I'm not explaining it very well, but there'll be four boxes, things that are important to two realms, things that are unimportant, things that are pressing, things that are not pressing. And what we should do is attack the things that are both pressing and important mm -hmm. and do those first and try to get them all off because then hopefully, <laughs> we it sounds like we lost father again as we're talking about Michelle. Thank you for, uh, thank you for the call as we're talking about this battling, uh, battling, persistent sins and specifically Michelle was saying about battling procrastination and seeking some advice on that. Um, we're working on getting Father Vasek back on the phone. Um, but to, I, I appreciate the, uh, the, 
clarity that he was already giving about attacking the things that are both pressing and important. I don't know how many times I find myself, um, yeah, going after something that I think is interesting, but not necessarily all that pressing or not necessarily all that important. So, um, yeah, a very, very good, very good thought that way. And, um, yeah, and another thing about procrastination I once heard said um, for Michelle is that, uh, yeah, the only thing we should be procrastinating on is procrastination itself. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we're grateful that you've tuned in for this uh, for this hour of the inner life, uh, getting our spiritual director, Father Craig Vosick, back on the phone. He's from the Diocese of Crookston, Minnesota, and a natural, national Eucharistic preacher. And who knows? I think the enemy might be a little upset, a little bothered that we're talking about this today. So maybe he's that's what's uh, causing our technological problems, technological issues as well. So we can pray for that as well. Yeah. Uh, so as we are uh, as we are doing that, if you have a specific um, if you have a specific persistent sin that's been bothering you that uh, has been coming up in your life, and you'd like to ask a question about it, if you'd like to uh, continue on with the strategy of how to battle persistent sins, if you have a story about how you have overcome a persistent sin in your life, give us a call. Join the conversation triple eight nine one four nine one four nine again eight 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 nine one four nine one four nine. Send us an email innerlife at relevantradio.com. Father Vasek is back with us. Father, you want to round out the, what you were saying about the four <laughs> quadrants there? Yeah, uh, and it, there might be persistent sins that are popping up as temptations for those who are struggling with technology right now. <laughs> Sorry about that. So, uh, yeah, so if we can get, if we can put them in and we find the ones, those realities in our life that are both pressing and important, then... Um, uh, then we do those, and then hopefully tomorrow there's nothing in the box that's pressing and important, which will relax us to be able to take care of those other things that are um, pressing and unimportant, or unimportant, um, or um, or un- not pressing but also important that I want to get to. And then we have the freedom to get to those things. And it's a, it's a really simple tool. Uh, you can look it up online. It's a box for organizing important and, and choosing, but it but it's an ordering for things. And then to really it. it it allows me to choose those things that I have to do. Now, it doesn't solve everything for procrastination because there's other things that I've already mentioned that are involved there, but it's a really, really good help as a practical tool. Mm, very good. Very good. Yeah, thank you for, again for that, Michelle. I hope that's helpful and uh, a great, great tool that Father Craig Vosick, our spiritual director today here on The Inner Life, has offered. Uh, let's take one more, Father. Uh, before we go back to your points, I do want to get back to your points, but uh, Joe is also calling in from Westchester, Pennsylvania. Joe, welcome to The Inner Life. Thanks for calling. Hi, good afternoon. How are you today? I'm so glad. To, one of the things I just wanted to say very quickly, uh, I it hit home when you started talking about your topic. I was listening today. Uh, one of the things that happened with me is I was racked with lust for a long, long time. I had I would I would confess it regularly. And at one point, my confessor at St. Agnes here in Westchester said to me, "Hey, why don't you try asking Jesus to help you find in Him what it is you're looking for in this sin?" Mm-hmm. And I went, Whoa. I tried it. It absolutely worked. That's been a couple of years ago. So, yeah, I suggest. Yeah, no, you're spot on because going back to uh, how we started the program, Dabar, 
uh, to miss the mark, we're, we're, we're looking for something. <laughs> we're looking for something and we're just off. We're off on it. We haven't found the right spot to, to get the fulfillment for that desire, that need, that want, whatever the thing is that is in us. And Jesus knows what it is. Sometimes he's the direct fulfillment of it, but sometimes he's the illuminator of then directing us to that which will satisfy that need, that desire, that want, that difficulty, whatever that thing might be in us. So that, that uh, priest was spot on, and I'm glad Glad you called in and, and shared that point with us. Hmm. Yeah. Joe, excellent point. Excellent point. Love it. Find it in Jesus. What, whatever we're looking for, let's find it in Jesus. Yeah, wonderful. All right, Father, let's go back. I mean, uh, you just had shared uh, before we started taking phone calls, which, yeah, keep them coming. We'll still take your calls, 888-914-9149 on battling persistent sins. Um, but you just brought up, uh, like, the medieval city walls. Where is the wall the weakest, the lowest? So where am I the weakest in virtue in this habit, these good habits, these virtuous habits? Where am I weakest? That's where the enemy will hit. And then he will keep hitting there, you said. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah, if he, he knows if he finds a weakness, he's going to exploit it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, if I... If I mean, just it's totally logical, right? Like if I yeah. if I have a front door that's completely locked and surrounded by archers that are staring out, keeping watch and vigilant over anything that might try to come in, okay, that's probably not the best way, place to go. But rather, I might go to a place where it's undefended, totally available, or at least most accessible. And I'm just going to keep doing it there. So right. the enemy is going to keep doing. He's going to keep doing that. Um, and uh, so the. the the point uh, for us to learn is that we need to build up those places. Right. Um, we need to protect those places. We need to build those places up um, and so that he has no easy access uh, to, to our temple, to our, to our life, to our city. Okay. Well, right. So I, my, my follow-up question was right along those lines then. What do we do to build up those places? I mean, how do we, how do we uh, kind of reinforce the walls or build it up so it's not so low or so easily accessible? Yeah. So I mentioned uh, in that prior phone call that there's kind of two principles there. One is just the fact of the defect in the wall. Like it's just, it's lower there, it's weaker there, it's it's just there. So there's the building up of that, but there's also then the fortification with uh, defense mechanisms of the troops that can come there that can help in battle. So there's both, we could say, uh, spiritual and uh, moral things that need to be done here. Um, and this is a joke, just to keep it light. Uh, I remember, <laughs> I remember an old Irish priest saying, "Just don't forget, you're going to be tempted until ten minutes, until ten minutes after you die. Then right. you'll stop being tempted." You know, this whole, this whole thing, just to kind of keep it light. Right. You're going to be tempted until ten minutes after you die. So temptation is always going to be there, and I think that's important. So there's just a whole lot of things that we need to keep in our mind of awareness. We're Temptation is always going to be there. The saints are not those who didn't get tempted. The saints are those who uh, resisted temptation. And that's the, that's the model that Jesus gave to us. Was Jesus tempted? Absolutely he was tempted. Did he give in to temptation? No. So someone say, well, Jesus was never tempted. No, that's not true. He was tempted as we are, but never sinned, Hebrews says, right? So we have to hold that. We're going to be tempted. So don't be surprised when you're tempted. So many people are surprised. They're like, oh my gosh, I was watching this movie, and then all of a sudden I blah, blah, blah. It's like, is that a surprise to you? I went to the beach, and then, oh my gosh, all of a sudden my eyes were wandering. Was that a surprise to you? I was uh, in traffic, and oh my, I, I couldn't believe how angry I got. Was that a surprise to you? <laughs> <laughs> things would be temptations. They should not be temptation. They should not be surprises that we're going to be tempted. 
Um, and it, we should not be surprised when we're tempted according to those things that we've typically been tempted. I mean, that's just foolish. It's foolishness to be surprised every time. Oh, I thought that was over. No, we're going to be tempted. So awareness is a big deal um, just on that front. Then um, this, there's a book. I never read it, but the title was enough for me. Uh, so I'm not, I'm not saying the book is great. Maybe it is great. But the title of the book was Take Every Thought Captive, and that is exactly it. So um, I'm just going to travel down the kind of the pattern that leads to sin, okay? So the, the action or the word or the omission is the end of it. It's not the beginning of it, and we need to be aware of this because if we want to overcome, we need to catch it at the root. So what typically happens? Something comes into my consciousness. Something comes into my awareness, either through the senses, which everything comes into the senses, or something that's already come in through the senses now comes to my memory. So either through my senses or from my memory, something comes into my awareness. As soon as it comes there, I need to be vigilant and take it captive. Do you belong here or do you not belong here? If you belong here, let it, let it exist. If it does not belong there, grab it and toss it out. Destroy it. If it doesn't belong there, kick it out right at the, right at the beginning. If I take every thought captive, it, it, just to imagine something that's in my awareness, as if my hand could grab onto that thing and just clench its fist around it, grab it, and toss it out. Because it's there that it's most easy, most easily dealt with. So when I grew up on the farm, um, we had to go and um, go in and, and hoe all of the weeds. And when we go down the sugar beet row or whatever the whatever the crop was, uh, northern Minnesota, we would take our hoes. We're little kids, you know, we're like ten or eleven years old. We're we're free labor for dad, and uh, we would. I think he gave us food. I think at least at the end of the day, though, so that was good. Um, we would go in, and the the things that were just popping up outside, you could tell where the plants were, the the crops, because they were all the same in a row. So anything around there that was tiny, you just take the hoe and you just kind of scrape it, and it's gone, completely gone. So easy. It's so easy. Then you found these weeds that, no, they were planted, and you had to kind of dig down with the hoe, you know, getting inches under the dirt, uh, and just to kind of pull them out. Um, but then you would get to these massive weeds, and these massive weeds were so incredibly huge, the hoe wasn't going to do any damage at all because it was too thick to kind of cut. So then we try to pull them out. We couldn't even barely pull them out. So we had to like dig down around to try to get to the bottom of that deep root system. These massive things that were almost the same size as us little kids. And then, and then to kind of pull these things out, or if we couldn't, to try to get some sort of other utensil or, you know, item tool and come in a hacksaw or something to try to cut this thing down because it's been there so long, it's almost impossible to get it out. So what's the point there? Get it right away. If you yeah. get it right away, you can get it all the way. If, it's, if you let it sit, whatever the thing is that's leading, the temptation at this point, it's not even a sin yet, it's going to take root and it's going to begin to dominate. So then it goes from, it goes from coming into my consciousness, that's the first point, to, and if I let it stay, and let's say it's not supposed to be there, then I'm going to start to take a delight in the part of it that is good 
whatever yeah. it is, even if it's contrary to the law, I'm going to start to delight in it and think, hmm, so now I'm starting to ponder and, and, and celebrate it. Now it's, now it's going into my emotional life. It's getting very difficult to do anything with this. But you can, still can. Uh, it's like that middle size uh, root at this point, uh, weed. And then after I start to delight in it, whatever it is, if I don't kick it out, I'm going to want to act on it. So if it's anger and it's a sick, there's a sort of this, yeah, I, I really think it would be good to yell at this person because they're being so bad or whatever the thing might be. Then it's like, yeah, you know what? Maybe I should do that. And so now I'm starting to plot towards it. I'm deliberately thinking about the action that I'm going to take towards this person. There might already be sins happening there because there's interior sin prior, almost, prior to almost any outward sin. So then there's all of these things. These are the deep weeds. They're almost impossible to get out. And then, of course, there's the external acts as well. So there's a whole lot, there's a whole pattern that moves towards this. And if I want to overcome a persistent sin, I have to start paying attention to, people call them triggers, people call them situations, people call them whatever they want, but it's the thing that presents itself at the beginning. Either the situation that leads to the memory or thought, or when it first comes in. It's right there that I need to deal the death blow. It's not at the end, because that's too late. Yeah, amen to that. Our spiritual director, Father Craig Vazek, with some excellent tips, excellent analogy. I love the story, Father. Get it right away and get it all the way. As we're talking about battling persistent sins, if you have a story about how you are battling in a persistent sin, or maybe with the help of God, of course, overcome a persistent sin, give us a call. Join the conversation, 888-914-9149. We're going to take another short break, but we'll be back with more right after this. We're back here on The Inner Life. My name is Patrick Conley. Thanks for joining us. My thanks also to Nick Senevich, our producer, and Thomas Engeser taking your phone calls, and our spiritual director, Father Craig Vosick, a National Eucharistic preacher, and leading us through a discussion about battling persistent sins. Let's go back to the phones. We've got Mike, who's calling in from West Dallas, Wisconsin. Mike, welcome to The Inner Life. Oh, good morning, Father. Father, I wanted to just share a quick antidote with you about a wonderful priest to help me break a persistent, terrible habit that I had when I was younger. I got into the habit of taking God's name in vain, and I got to a point where obviously there was no forethought to it. The words would just slip out, and every time I would catch myself doing it, I'd say, oh, Lord, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to do this. Well, finally, a priest said, Mike, do you really want some practical advice on how to break that habit? And I said, yes, anything. And he said, every time you catch yourself taking God's name in vain, throw an extra $10 in the collection plate. Well, well, I was working a minimum wage job, and $10 was a heck of a lot of money. And you'd be, I know it was practical advice, but uh, it sure helped me to do it. I just wanted to share that with you. Yeah, thank you. That's um, the, uh, the idea there uh, is that when we sense the skin in the game, uh, things things change more quickly. So uh, because sometimes the spiritual life can seem uh, not spiritual; it can seem non-existent or invisible, like uh, uh, distant or uh, far away or something like that. And so getting some skin in the game uh, is is always a very helpful thing. Um, and so yeah, there's there'd be a there'd be a whole host of of really practical things that people can employ to be like, whoa, I. I can't do that. I don't want that. It's like, yeah, exactly. So it gets them more quickly to say, okay, I got to be cognizant of this thing that I want to change in my life. So, yep, that's yeah. great. That's great advice. And Thanks. actually beneficial to the church, too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and 
Okay, right. We're we're not about signing here, though. Just let's let's be okay. Anyway, but Mike, thank you for the call. Excellent, uh, excellent uh, thought. Excellent advice. Let's go now to Patrick, who's calling in from Trenton, New Jersey. Patrick, welcome to the Inner Life. Yes, hi. Um, yeah, I struggled with uh, Grayson for uh, for years and years, and I think as I went through it, um, the one thing that helped me um, get spiritual muscles is. Uh, kind of living out my faith and, and the beatitudes and um, evangelizing, like sp- speaking up and sp- uh, speaking out to, to people gave, gave me, like, more trust, and, and I was able to just let all those things that pulled me down just get past them. Well, there is something so deep in what you're saying there, and it's so helpful. There's a number of things, but one is that oftentimes the remedy is found in something so seemingly different. So, and I'm not, I'm not pretending that I know the connection, but when you get outside of yourself to speak about the faith, there is a virtue of courage that is being built. Uh, and there is a virtue of humility that's being built because like, I'm, I could be rejected if I speak out. And so there's virtues that are being built over, he, over here. I'm waving my hand on the phone over on one part of my life that ends up blessing a different part of my life. That is so key because the virtues are not held in isolation. If I can grow them in one area, I begin to grow them in another area. Um, so, so take uh, the biblical example of St. Paul. He talks about how he subdues and, 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 um, and pummels himself so that he might not lose his soul. And we can do, we can do something over in one area of our life, and it ends up blessing us in another part of our life. So fasting is supposed to do that. Um, kind of going off of your point now, but just kind of catching what might be going on there, part of your, your strengthening, Patrick, is when I fast, I'm learning how to discipline myself and say no to various things, and it's only saying yes to certain things, so that in other periods of my life, I, I can then more freely say no to those things and say yes to those things that I want to do. And so it blesses me in a different part of my life, even though it's something in, in another part of my life. So um, there's both the concrete spiritual blessings of what you're saying, but I think also there's the, there's the building of habit and virtue in one domain that blesses another domain. So anyway, thank you for sharing, Patrick. Yeah, love the idea. Strengthening the walls all the way around. Great call, Patrick. Thank you. And uh, let's get Sandy, who's calling in from upstate New York. Sandy, welcome to The Inner Life. Hi. Um, thank you so much for taking my call. Um, I just wanted to quickly share uh, my story on how I overcame not just a persistent sin, but I would say a life of sin. Um, I was an atheist. I was born and raised Catholic, but I became an atheist in college. And um, I was an atheist for about 10 years, and that left me feeling empty. And um, I was looking for love in all the wrong places, as the saying goes. And um, I became a drug addict and um, all the things that go along with that. So um, I found myself pregnant, and I said, God, if you exist, like, I could really use some help down here. (laughs) And I just surrendered my life to Jesus again, and um, I started praying the rosary every day and just really immersing myself in Scripture. And um, I just recently celebrated two years clean and sober, and my son is 18 months old and baptized, and we're doing really good. So I just, I turn to scripture when I feel the temptation coming on and um, it works great for drug cravings. So if anybody out there is listening and struggling with that, read the Bible. (laughs) Thank you. 
Sandy, thank you so much for sharing. I'm, you know, I'm very sorry uh, for the difficulties that you've endured in your life, uh, but so grateful that you're able to share of of the transforming power uh, of God and Christ Jesus in your life. So thank you so much for sharing. Um, so that saying, uh, looking for love in all the wrong places, again, hearkening back to the beginning of the show, uh, where we are, we're going for something, we're shooting our arrow towards something, we're going for something, but it's off the mark. And what is the deepest craving of the human heart? Well, if we're made in the image of God, uh, and God is love, then our heart is made for love. We are made for love and in all the different ways that love is manifested. And there are a lot of things that look like love, but they're not love. There's a lot of things that promise the blessings that love can provide, but they can't. Um, And so they become enticements. They look like quick fixes or whatever the thing might be, or at least uh, um, things that will um, buffer or kind of minimize the experience of that craving of love. So subduing it through maybe a drug or an alcohol or whatever the thing might be an excite, an excitant or a, re, a relaxant or a depressant or whatever it might be. And, um, you're it's spot on looking for love in all the wrong places. We're looking for love. We're craving to, to know that we are loved and that we can make a response of love to the one who has made us. And that is why a, a personal and deep relationship with God, Jesus Christ, and the power of the Holy Spirit is the only remedy to, uh, to the longing of the human heart. Now, that doesn't mean that he is always the remedy, and I think that's very important. So if I'm hungry, well, I'll just pray, and then I won't be hungry anymore. No, no, no. There are, there are other things that we need in our life on the natural order or on the emotional order that we ought to look, like in, look for in their proper domain. But at that, at that center, at the core, that's what I'm talking about, it's God. It is God. We have a God-shaped hole in our heart, and He's the only one that can fill it. So you're spot on, but thank you so much for sharing the power of the Word of God to combat different temptations. Amen. The Lord Jesus used the Word of God against the enemy uh, when He tempted him. And so the Word of God is, is the power of God for salvation. So thank you so much for sharing that, Sandy. Yeah, appreciate it, Sandy. Great that you called in. It was, um, yeah. Just telling us how how the Lord has worked in, in marvelous ways in your life. That's what we love to do here on the Inner Life, Father. We've only got about a minute before we ask you for your blessing, but I just want to I want to pitch the softball question. But I want to give you an opportunity to give us all hope. Can persistent sins be overcome? Yeah, absolutely. God is God. God is over all things. God God triumphs, uh, and it's a it's a snap of his finger. It's a quick blow of his breath, and he can he can transform anybody's life in an instant. Um, oftentimes, he works through slow uh, resolution on our part with um, with him. But he can do anything. He can make all things new. That's what we're celebrating during Easter: is the triumph of Jesus, even over death, over hell, over Satan, and over sin. So yes, the Lord. Jesus, God can do anything, and we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Amen to that. Father, it's been a pleasure. It's been, uh, yeah, just such so encouraging in so many ways that uh, as we continue the battle, thank you for equipping us well for the next stages in the, in the battle. May we leave, may you leave us with your blessing, though, please. 
through the merits of the Lord's death and resurrection, may the light of the resurrection shine on you, shine upon your mind and your heart and upon your entire life. May Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Father Craig Vosick has been our spiritual director today. If you missed any part of the program, make sure and go check it out at the show page at relevantradio.com. Coming up next, we've got the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass. Father Matt's seminar is our celebrant today, uh, so stay tuned for that. And then, of course, the Family Rosary Across America, another great way of battling persistent sin, 7 p.m. Central, tomorrow on The Inner Life, When God Says No. Until then, grace and peace.